Uh, I'm so glad to be able to be here to share with you today. I was thrown for a loop this morning. I never get nervous. Well, I say never. Very rarely ever do I get nervous when I'm preaching. I've just done it a long time. And, uh, but I ran into one of my former seminary professors that came this morning, uh, Dr. John Nisley over here. And so uh, now, all of a sudden, I'm nervous, okay? So anyway, it's, it's good to have him here, and hopefully they don't retract my degree or anything afterwards. Uh, but as, I, as we start today, and this is a fresh start, January 1 doesn't fall on a Sunday very often, but it's a good day to remind ourselves of what our focus should be. Where does God want us to focus? Where, where do we need to zero in? Okay, now, many people make New Year's resolutions, and they last a few weeks, and the New Year's resolutions typically aren't bad. They might be, hey, I want to get in better shape. I want to get my finances under control or maybe uh, have better time management. All those things are fine. But what I want to talk to you about today are things that are essential if you're going to experience a life that God blesses. And the first scripture I want us to read this morning is Proverbs 4.25. Because Proverbs 4.25 says this, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Because I really want us to understand the importance of focusing, looking straight ahead. It says, look straight ahead. Think of a horse, horse that's running a horse race. They have blinders on, so they're not distracted. They're not turning around to look to see who's behind them. They're not looking to the side. They're zeroed in on what they know their responsibilities are. And that's what we want to really drill into today. What does God want from us? What are the uh, elements that should be present in our life and in the life of our church if we're to experience the blessing of God. But then the second part of that verse says, let your gaze be straight before you. Okay, gaze implies like I'm just staring. I'm focused. I'm not just kind of glancing forward. I'm focused. Now, I have a tendency, the way I operate, is I will kind of look forward, but then I just kind of wander all around, okay? And I'm kind of looking at everything. Today, we want to work on focusing on what God really, really wants us to do. What is important to Him? Now, the sermon title today is living for HD. Okay, now, we're not talking about TVs. I love HD TVs. We're not, we're not living for that. Who remembers when they got their first HD TV? Remember? I mean, maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was revolutionary, okay? Life-changing. I remember I could watch a football game and I could see the blades of grass, okay? Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Now, what we're talking about is HD is his, his delight. What it means to live for his delight. And what does that mean? What does the word delight mean? So I want to look at our core scripture that we're really going to build everything off of today. And that is from Proverbs 37.4. This is what Proverbs 37.4 says. Delight yourself by focusing on what is important to God. I'm saying delight yourself in the Lord, sorry, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of times we just want to focus at the end of that. Hey, we get the desires of our heart. Well, this is one of those if-then statements. If you do this, then God will grant you the desires of your heart. So what is the if? It's if you delight yourself in the Lord. So what does that mean? We, we could really dig into that word a lot, but I just want to give you a, a simple definition of what it means to, be, to delight yourself in the Lord. It really means uh, focusing on what is important to God. It's just focusing on what is important to Him. To delight yourself in the Lord is to desire to know Him better and do the things that will help you know Him better, and you're going to be more in line with His will, and then you'll receive the blessing of God because you're living within His will. And this applies to not only us individually, but also to us collectively as the body of Christ. We live in delight 
When we do that, we will have righteous desires. So we need to see clearly what is important to God because that's what we're going to try to do today. Praying for blessing on us individually is not bad, okay? It's okay to ask God to bless us. Uh, we see over in the book of, or over, over in Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Jabez prayed a prayer that God answered. Uh, spoiler alert, God answered his prayer. But his prayer was in summary something like this. God, bless me and bless me a lot. Give me more influence and, get, and, give, and let your power work through me to do great things. That can almost sound kind of selfish, like give me more. But the idea is when we pray for God to bless us, we're asking God to bless us so we can bless others and please God with the blessings that he gives us. So it is okay to pray God's blessings on ourselves individually because we want to experience a blessed life. But as a believer in Christ, we have a greater, we have a greater commitment than just ourselves. We are part of a family of God. We're part of the body of Christ. So this is the family that you're going to be stuck with for eternity. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, okay. So this is practice for getting along and working together. But we're going to be together forever, and that's important. So not only do we need to pray for blessings on us, we need to pray for our church consistently and ask God just to bless us. And the six things I'm going to talk about today here in a moment are things that need to be present in our church and in, in, in our individual lives that will bring about uh, the, the opportunity for God to bless us in a great way. Um, Psalm 67.1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us. And that's really what we want. We want to experience the blessing of God. Now, we're going to go to Acts 2, and we're going to find a few things in Acts 2. This is the beginning of the first church. We're going to find a few things in there that are going to show us what, were pre- what was present and what were they doing because God really blessed them, and we can learn from what was happening in that first church on how God can use us and accomplish great things through us. So we want to see what it means to live in his delight, live focusing on what's most important to him. Now, I'm a, I'm a um, firm believer that many churches die prematurely. You know, all churches, not all churches, but at some point, churches serve life cycles. You know, the churches in the first century are no longer here. Some churches die because people move out, you know, People migrate and they'll die a natural death. But I believe some churches die prematurely because they stop doing the things that are important to God. They stop doing what brings God's blessing on that church. So we want to make sure that we're not a church like that and we're not an individual like that. So the first point is this. Here's the first thing you need to be, that needs to be present in your life to experience God's blessing. It's pray for God to move. Pray for God to move. Okay, that's the starting point. The power is in prayer. Now, we have a great organization on this planet called the church, and that church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. No other organization on this planet is empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you got Google, you got Apple, you got Amazon, you got all these big companies. None of those are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, last time I checked, I don't think we have a government in this world that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is the church. We have power when we pray, and God's Holy Spirit works through us. And when I, when I put in there, pray for God to move, I'm thinking, pray for things that only God can do. You know, this last week, I went over to see my uh, family for Christmas. I drove to Austin, and then I drove back. And one of the things I realized is, hey, I need to pray for safe travels. And there's nothing wrong praying for safe travels or live, uh, traveling mercies or whatever, 
But the odds are, even if I didn't pray that, I would still get there and back with no problem. So I'm not saying don't pray about that, but I'm saying let's focus on praying things that only God can do. And let's see what they were doing in that first church. Um, they, they, they were focused on praying. Okay, let me set it up. Jesus came, and he, he lived, he died, he was resurrected. He was on earth for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. And when he left, he left some instructions for his followers. He said, I want to send my spirit to live in you. I want you to just pray. I want you to wait and pray. And in Acts 1.14, here's what uh, the Bible tells us. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. This is the, those, that, initial, that, that group of followers, about 120 followers. They gathered together, and they waited, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they waited, and they waited, and they prayed. And 10 days after Jesus went to heaven, which is 50 days after his uh, resurrection, the Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit, Spirit showed up. They, they prayed as a group. They didn't pray individually, like, just for themselves. I believe they were praying for the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know what they were praying for, probably. The beginning of the church. And so I love, um, you know, what we talked about Jabez a while ago, praying for himself. Well, I always love to look at the Lord's Prayer. Because oftentimes we'll look at the Lord's Prayer and we think of that as praying, you know, that's a prayer that we pray by ourselves. But if you look at the pronouns that are in the Lord's Prayer, it's us, we, it's all um, it's all plural. It, it's we're to pray together. We're to focus on God. We're to pray for God to do great things through our body of Christ and individually. It's important that we grasp that. So God sends his spirit after these guys pray and they wait and they wait and they pray. He sends his spirit and with his spirit comes this, comes this exemplification of power and excitement and, and a gospel and Holy Spirit that's for every tribe and every tongue and every nation what it tells us in the first few verses of chapter 2 of Acts. It said, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, that represent, represents the power of God. Then the fire above their head, because the excitement and the, the joy and the, again, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they began speaking in different tongues, which represented that this, this Holy Spirit, this good news, is for everyone. That all started because they began praying for God to move. Now, not only do we need to have prayer in our lives, individually and as a church. But number two, if we're going to experience the blessing of God, if we're going to live for his delight, we have to have this. We must be devoted to God's word. We've got to be devoted to God's word, like fully committed. It's not just uh, setting a Bible on our uh, table next to our chair and hoping it kind of moves over by osmosis. It's more that we dig into it, we reread it, we memorize it, we study it, we meditate on it. Because this is the Word of God. The cool thing about the Word of God, or one of the cool things, is this. That it's true. It was true then, it's true now, and it's always going to be true. It never changes. So much of our time is spent on stuff that is not true. That kind of just shifts with the wind. But we're spending time in the Word of God is true. And over in Acts 2.42, this is the first church. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, okay? These apostles are the guys that wrote the New Testament, okay? They were, they were focused on what God had to say, the Bible. And there, there's four key things that jump out to me that Paul tells us that, uh, that the Bible is beneficial for. And when he's talking to Timothy, when Paul's writing to Timothy over in uh, 1 Timothy, he tells him this about Scripture. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Okay, not just some of it, but all scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, 
The story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is from beginning to end. In fact, we just came out of a series before um, Christmas called The Thread, talking about the thread of Jesus Christ through the Old Testament. That's what this is. All scripture is God-breathed. And here's what it's good for. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That means the Bible tells us what's right, it tells us what's not right, it tells us how to get right, and then it tells us how to stay right. Why? Well, verse 17 of 1 Timothy 3 says, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So if you want to be complete and you want to be ready to, for God to use you and bless you and work through you, you have to spend time in his word. Now, in this church, and most churches, I hope, we don't just read the word, we do the word. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says that we are to, or it tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Okay, There's nothing wrong with knowledge, but if all you ever do is take in knowledge and never let it out and live it, then you're, you're just kind of spinning your wheels. We have to be conscious that we read it, we take it in, and we live it out. We're to be doers of the word. Because see, we have the gospel. We have the good news. We have this message that is life-changing for anyone who wants to listen. It's life-changing. It matters. So in Acts 2, in the middle of Acts 2, starting in verse 22, I'm just kind of going to give you a summary because we have Peter giving the first sermon in the first church in the first worship service, if you will. And here's a summary of what Peter talked about in that first message in the first church. I'm just going to give you a summary of these verses. First of all, Jesus is God and his miracles prove it. He died on the cross for us. God raised him back to life. You can see the gospel gives us gladness and joy and hope. He sent his spirit from heaven. We must repent and be baptized. He puts his spirit inside of us. Now we can live differently from the world. That's what we're called to do. So let's think about those two things. If you want to be a church that's blessed by God and be an individual that's blessed by God, the first two things are pray, pray for God to move. And then secondly, you want to be devoted to his word. Okay, number three. What is number three? We must love each other deeply. Now, I don't want to lose some of you here, but we have to love each other deeply. Have you ever met someone that's a Christian and they're difficult to love? Um, yeah, you might be thinking, yeah, it's you, Brett. Uh, no, but sometimes we have that. But this is where we have to love each other deeply and unconditionally. Growing, I love this quote. This is not my quote. But it says, growing churches love and loving churches grow. We want to be a church that represents Christ and shows the love of Christ. We are a, a fellowship, and a fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia and just means that we are committed to one another as we are to Jesus Christ. So you can't be a Christ follower and not be committed to his people, okay? We're the bride of Christ. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate his wife, okay? That doesn't work. We have, we're all in on both. We love Jesus, and we are to love each other unconditionally and deeply. So let's look in Acts 2.42. Again, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, back then, um, it was, it was, um, you could get killed to be a Christian back in this first century. And the Romans, you know, they, they were probably looking at the Christians thinking, what are these guys doing? They're this communion, you know, they're drinking the blood of Christ, they're eating his body, what? 
these people are a bunch of wackos? What are they doing? But one of the things they saw, the Romans, is they couldn't deny that people, God's people loved each other. They had each other's back. They were, they were for each other. They took care of each other. They, were, they, they could see that, hey, I don't agree with all that they do, but they love each other. So the question is, is that, what the, is that what Christianity is known for today? When people think of Christianity, do they think, oh, yeah, Christianity, I don't agree with it, but man, oh, they all love each other. They're such a loving group of people. But that's what it should be. We should be unified, and we should be showing love to one another, loving each other deep, deeply, deeply and passionately. Romans 12, 5, here's what Paul says. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. We, are, we belong to each other. I belong to you, and you belong to me. Whether we want it or not, we are, because we are committed to Christ, and we're committed to his body. So there's some things we have to be against, obviously, uh, because there's black and white issues. We need to take stands on truth. But sometimes we get caught up amongst each other on stuff that's trivial, and it causes dissension in the body of Christ. And that, that, that hurts what we're trying to do. I mean, whether it's music or the color of carpet or who the speaker is or who, it doesn't matter. We let these things that are not black and white issues, that are preferences or whatever, we let them divide us, and that hurts the cause of Christ in our church because we want to be, we want to be known as a church that deeply loves one another. I was uh, watching Lion King the other day. I really wasn't watching it. It was on, uh, but I was working, kind of looking at my sermon, and I heard this quote, and I don't even know which animal said it, uh, it sounds funny which animal said it, but these animals talked English, uh, so it was helpful to listen. And one of them said this, a true king's power is his compassion. A true king's power is his compassion. Jesus, the king, he was compassionate. He loved people. He showed his love to people. He just, you know, he didn't have, he was never too busy to stop and talk to people. So I want to give you three words to help you define, what, to help you get a grasp of what compassion is. Three words that often kind of get used intermingling. The first one is sympathy. What does sympathy mean? So sympathy, the way I define it, uh, is when you just feel bad for someone. Someone's going through a difficult time, and you feel bad for them. You're sympathetic. But then there's a deeper level called empathy. Empathy is where you hurt with them. It's like, you, I mean, you wish you could do something to make them feel better. You just hurt with them. But then there's compassion. Compassion is the deepest level. And that's where you're basically saying, I wish I could take their place. Man, I wish I could go through that for them. So that's what Jesus did. He was a compassionate God who took our place. When he did nothing wrong, he paid our penalty. That's the compassion that we are to show for one another. And when we do that in different ways. One of the ways we do that is just by showing each other affection and loving each other. The Bible says they greeted each other with a holy kiss. We're not going to do that, okay? Don't worry. Uh, but affection, hugging and, and patting each other on the back, encouraging one another matters. I've shared this story a ton, so I'm just going to give you the summary. But for years, there was this lady at a previous church that came up and gave me a hug every week. She was an older uh, lady that was a widow. And uh, I'd give her a hug and we'd chit-chat. Well, then one Sunday, she gave me a hug and she said, You know, Pastor Brett, you know why I like to give you a hug every week? I said, No. She said, because it's the only hug I get all week. And so that kind of stopped me in my tracks. She was a widow. She didn't have any friend, you know, close friends or relatives in the area. 
And it just shows you the power of affection. We, we show deep love toward one another and encourage one another. Um, Acts 2.44 in this first church, early church, says this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, meaning they shared everything. They shared everything. And in verse 46 it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. One of the ways that, uh, similar to what they do, they, they broke bread in their homes. Those were probably smaller groups of people. That's why we have life groups at our church, and many churches have some form of that life group. And so if you're not in one of those life groups, we launched those back next week. I want to encourage you to check one of those out, or maybe you haven't been in a while. We'd love for you to get in on that and be a part of that because that's where we, we, we study God's Word, but also we, we learn to love each other and support each other and walk with each other on this journey. In fact, we have a new group starting next week for young adults from engaged, uh, it includes age, or engaged couples through newly married that have no kids or preschool kids. Man, we'd love for you to join that group because it's a, another opportunity just to build connection. But we have groups for all ages. We'd love for you to get connected because it's where you can practice loving each other and serving each other deeply. Okay, number four, the number four thing here we do, let's recap. We got to pray, we got to spend time in God's Word, we got to love each other deeply. And then I think we really need to, we must joyfully worship Him. That's what I want to say. Joyfully worship Him. That first song we sang today, There's Joy in the House of the Lord. I've been to many church services through the years where we might sing that. But it's hard to believe because everybody looks so sour. Okay? There should be joy. We have a joy. It doesn't mean we're going to be happy all the time. We're going to go through difficult times. But the joy of the Lord is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It should always come through in everything we do. Worship should be more of a festival, not a funeral. It should be exciting. He wants us to worship with celebration. The problem with many churches is they're just too cold not talking about the temperature, it's a different sermon. Uh, it's just too cold and there's not a friendliness and a, and a love there and there's no joy. So I read this story a number of years ago about this lady who, um, let's just, I'll use Champion Forest. She attended Champion Forest and she always had, had a joyful worship experience. But one, one week she was on vacation, out of town, small town, and she wanted to go to church just because she was there on a Sunday. So she goes to this small church, she walks in, it's kind of stuffy, it's kind of, you know, bland, it's kind of dry. She's like, well, I'm going to stay here anyway. So they do some songs, and she's saying, amen, hey, preach it, that's right. I mean, she's getting excited. So this usher comes up to her, and the usher says, you know, uh, ma'am, you need to quiet down a little bit. You're, you're talking out loud too much. She goes, well, I can't help it, I got the joy of the Lord in me. And he said, well, you didn't get that here. See, that's not the type of church that we want to be. We want to be a church and individuals that are joyful no matter where we go. Um, Jesus, over in John 15, he's talking about abiding in Christ and, and being connected with him and, and, and living his way. And when he gets to John 15, 11, this is what he says. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full not non-existent, is to be full because of what, if everything else is going wrong in our life, the joy should never leave if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what kind of worship, what kind of worship attracts people? Joyful worship. They'll put, put up with a lot if it's just joyful and they, they believe the people are believing what they're singing. You know, we hear bad news all the week, all week, and we get the joy kicked out of us. 
We don't want to come here and get more joy kicked out of us. We want to experience joy and worship. So we have to participate. We have to sing. You ever been to a secular concert where a long time ago they would hold up a lighter, now they hold up their iPhones? And that's, only, that's not done on every song. It's only done on songs that create an emotional response that bring joy and they get excited. Or you go to a football game and you yell for your team and you get excited. But oftentimes, we just look joyless when we're in worship or when we're living our lives every day that joy does not show. We need to learn how to get excited about God. So in Acts 2.47 is what it says about that early church. It said, they were praising God and having favor with all people. Okay, praising God, they're joyfully praising God and they're enjoying being with all the people. They were enjoying being together. Did they agree on everything? No, no way they agreed on everything. What they did is they agreed to disagree agreeably and focus on the main thing, Jesus Christ. So look in Peter's sermon there up in verse 26 of chapter 2. It says, Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. Okay? When we have that hope in Jesus Christ, that joy comes out. Verse 28, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. See, God wants our worship to be joyful, not an obligation. There's two reasons we need to uh, be joyful in our worship. One is God commands it. We're to worship Him with joy. But secondly, you know our worship can be a witness. If people come here and they don't know Christ, and they see that you are joyful or you're living a life of joy outside of this place, it matters. It can witness them, witness to them. There's really two reasons, there's two main reasons, I think, that people who don't know Christ reject Christ. One is they don't know a Christian, okay? It's, and so they don't, know, they don't know the message of Jesus Christ. The second reason many people reject Christ is because they do know a Christian. That's the truth. And so we want, to, we want the joy of the Lord to come out in everything we do and to be authentic and let people see him in us. Uh, this is not my quote, but I love this. It says, some people are poor witnesses for Jesus because they act like they're spiritually constipated. They're just, they're just, they have no life. They have no joy in them. But there should be joy. Number five, we must show radical generosity. You know generosity had to be one of those six things, okay? We have prayer, God's word. We have loving each other deeply. We have, we have worshiping with joy. But then we have radical generosity. Okay, that's what these people did. Acts 2.45 says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as anybody had a need. Wouldn't that be awesome, okay? If we, we, just, we were just looking for opportunities to give. That was the, the context of that thought is this. They, were, they just didn't give begrudgingly. They were looking for ways to give, to support one another. Lori and I have had that a lot through our lives where we've had a financial struggle or something came up we weren't expecting and people would help us out. And we've been able to do that for others if they were having a struggle. And, but that's the way we should work. We should look for ways to be generous. And that's what our church does. You know, that's why almost every week during our time of giving, we highlight different ministries on what your generosity, how it's impacting others around the world or in our community because of your generosity. We ex- God expects uh, radical generosity. That creates joy in our lives. And then the sixth thing that must be present in the life of our church and in your life, if you're going to be living for God's delight, living for his delight is this. We must prioritize sharing the good news. Acts uh, 
or yeah, Acts 2.41 says, So those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We're at our first megachurch in the first, uh, first day of the church. All those people came to know Christ. You know, we're called to help populate heaven, to share the good news. And sometimes that can be intimidating. You know, we did this series a couple months ago called Bless. Uh, all three campuses went through this together on how we can build relationships with our neighbors, how we can connect with them, how we can uh, help maybe have a gospel conversation with them. In fact, uh, two weeks ago, Lori and I tried something out of the, out of the blue. Uh, we, a lot of times we have Christmas parties at our house, but this year we were going to do something in our front driveway. We, got, we brought, took out our fire pit, we got s'mores, hot chocolate, cookies, all that stuff, and we have just invited a number of neighbors, and so we had a, a little over 30, 31 people representing about 10 or 11 families just show up. We had never met any of those people. And most of them, it was a come and go. So most of them stayed about 20 minutes or so. And it was, did any of those people come to know Christ that night? Not that I'm aware of. But you've got to start with building a bridge and building a connection with people. Letting people know you love them and you're joyful. Now, in my case, uh, anytime, of course, what's one of the first things they're going to ask me when they meet me? What do you do? That, well, when I answer that question, it kind of changes everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we go to church, and, you know, but... Whatever it is, you just build a relationship with people and love them because this is what we're commanded from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what God commands us to do. That's what we are called to do. We, got them, but we have to do that. We have to do that as a church and we have to live lives individually that when, when God gives us the opportunity, hey, we can, we can share the message. We don't have to um, have all the answers. No one's going to walk up to you and say, tell me about the doctrine of salvation. Okay, well, hey, if they do, you say, hey, I don't know this, but I'll tell you what Jesus did in my life. I don't have all the answers, but I know by faith I'm spending eternity with him. And I, we, I just want you to, to encourage you to pray that God will give you those opportunities. And if you do, and he brings them across your path, you don't ignore them because you're too busy. You take advantage of of that. Take advantage of that. The last verse, I didn't put this on the screen, but I just want to read it. We're familiar with this verse where uh, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added to you. That's really the summary of this message, is seeking first the kingdom of God, the things that are important to him, the things that bring him delight, and then all the other things will, he'll take care of. He'll bless the other areas of your life according to how he wants to use you. So if you want to experience God's blessing in your life and in your church, you've got to make sure these six things are alive and they're happening. Because without it, we're missing out on what God wants to do in us. Let me just give a summary here. Thank you. I want you to think about just these six things. And, and maybe you, you can only focus on one today. I'm not going to tell you to leave here today and to do all six of these. But maybe pray about, if you're a Christian, pray about which one God really wants you to focus on where do you need to grow the most? Well, we talked about prayer. I mean, prayer is just simply talking to God and then just being quiet before him and, and listening to God. And if you need any direction or you don't know how to pray, man, we'd love to talk to you about that. You can talk to one of us. But then God's word. We have a great opportunity. Pastor Anthony will share a little bit in a minute 
about a church-wide uh, devotional, 30-day devotional that we're doing at all three campuses starting next Sunday. And if you don't have a devotional plan that you're doing right now, man, that's a great opportunity for, to immerse in God's Word. Uh, I'd love for you to get connected. Uh, loving your fellow believers. You can do that in a life group. Again, let us know if we can help fi- uh, you find one. Worship with joy. <clears throat> Sacrifice your time and money looking for opportunities to give, not just to the church, but I mean just as God provides needs around you. And then spread and live out the gospel, which really happens when we build bridges with others. Here's what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I just, if you're a Christian, first of all, I want to address you because this message is really about the things that you need as a, as a believer in Christ, things that need to be present in your life, again, individually and as a church. And I want to encourage you to, to make a commitment to not only pray for yourself, we pray for ourselves all the time, and that's not wrong, but we need to make sure that we're praying for our body of Christ because this is our eternal family. We want to pray that these, these six areas are present in our body of Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to see God move in a powerful way this year. This is day one. A new beginning, a new start, a fresh start. We'll see God do something great. Then if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't even know what that means, man, this is the most important decision you'll ever make. As I said a while ago, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus came as the Son of God, lived among us, died for us, as an act of compassion and love. Then he rose again, and he's, now he's waiting for us in heaven. If you believe that, and you want to make him the, the leader of your life, the CEO, if you will, of your life, man, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd walk you through that process. And so um, I just want everybody to stand uh, in the room, and uh, if we'll have some prayer, our prayer team, our, our uh, partners come forward. If you need prayer on um, what God is doing in you through this message, or if you need prayer about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you need prayer about anything, these people will be up here to pray with you. That's what we do, because we deeply love and care for one another. So please don't miss this opportunity to do so. And as we sing, just pray for yourself. Pray that God will bless you and show you what you need to do, and then pray for our church also that God will do something and show you something great today. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, Of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.